I'm delighted to be here today with Pavni Acharya. She's coming on the show to, uh, on our Patient Matters spin-off shows to talk about her story. Fascinating and interesting story of persistent pain in an adolescent. And I'm not exactly sure exactly what, what age Pavni is, but we heard of her story as a 16-year-old. Um, I'm sure she'll be able to give us more details onto the timeline of this. But it was a really great article in Frontline magazine that was then brought to our attention on social media. And Pavni was uh, sort of a, a testimonial within that piece about pediatric pain. And it was really fascinating when we think about the episodes we've done on Patient Matters to date. They, they have been, you know, the, the, I think the youngest in, in late 20s, the oldest in their 60s. And it's just important for us to understand some of the similarities and differences when we get into that adolescent age, age bracket. So um, really appreciative of Pavni coming on the show. So welcome to the show, Pavni. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me. Um, my name's Pavni and I am 16. I was, I was in year 11. <laughs> um, I don't really know right now, but <laughs> <laughs> we're just kind of floating in between. Um, and I've been experiencing persistent pain for quite a long time and I'm currently recovering from it. Um, I, um, so I, one of my, one of my physios asked me to write um, an article about how my, my, my pain journey and um, it then got published into the uh, CSB magazine and um, I think um, and obviously I think uh, the physio masses got in touch with me about talking to or sharing my story. That's right yeah so we got we got it shared fairly widely um, across social media and it was really appreciated for you sharing that um, so then your physiotherapists we, we reached out tentatively to them just to say do you think it'd be okay if you know we were wanting to make sure we weren't going to be offering and, and pressuring and and you came so highly regarded uh, so, so highly recommended to us uh, by your therapist who had approached you and you kindly offered to share it in this platform as well um which is which is a, a different one but also really useful for people to understand especially these days you can imagine everyone's cooped up listening to podcasts and watching <laughs> youtube and all that sort of stuff so <laughs> this is going to be really valuable information for them for when they get back into practice or for those that are needing to try and help manage um these situations remotely uh, which is one of the things that you experienced as well by some of the email contact which i'm sure we'll come into but these are times where your stories are ever more relevant so thank you so much for telling it i want to try and jump right back to the start then if we can and, and sort of understand how your pain journey began if there is a doesn't have to be a crucial point or a time frame or what have you but if you would just uh, start there for me that'd be useful um so i think I was pretty young, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe 10, nine or 10. And I was going, um, you know, I'd just be walking around in town with my grandma and I'd be experiencing like a lot of pain in my hip. And at the time, like we, we just thought it was because I was growing. I thought it was just, it was just because I was a small kid. And that was, you know, when small children end up walking, they moan a lot. So we just thought it was one of those things. <laughs> um, so and then the pain faded for a little while. It didn't crop up for a couple of years. And then, boom, and it was back. Um, I was 12 and it was it was very uh, dominant in my life. It got more and more painful. Um, the pain was more and more frequent as well. 
So my parents decided to take me to the doctors and to the GP and it kind of all started from there. <laughs> right, um, okay. So. Um, At that point, just out, out of interest, it, it might surprise some people, probably not on this show, but it might surprise some people if you spoke to sort of lay people that when you go to seek medical attention for something like that, that is unusual that that is the start of a journey, whereas, it, of course, it was for you, whereas some people would hope that that would conclude it, that I've got this confusing picture, I'll go and consult some experts in medicine that can help me to understand it and then resolve it. And yeah. that's what's such a, a shame in this case, but also a very typical story is that that actually begins the start almost of the of the journey rather than the end of it. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. Um just yeah it was it was a lot of years of doctor's appointments physio appointments um, <laughs> to get to where I am now but so I went to the GP and they like they just told me they, they did like those uh, Trendelenburg tests I've had so many of those <laughs> <laughs> um and they were just they just said to put some ice on it they said that my muscle was like a bit inflamed or something and so yeah to just ice it or put heat on it and I was like okay did that for a little while but the pain was just getting worse and worse so then I went to A&E and they did an x-ray and I looked everything was fine so the doctor was confused as well he was like maybe we can up the dosage on your neurofen and so he gave me a high dosage of um ibuprofen to take um as an anti-inflammatory um and then the pain didn't subside the ibuprofen wasn't making a difference and so my dad my dad uh, booked another appointment for the doctors uh went back to the gp and this time the doctor told me to go to East Surrey, um, it's our big hospital. And um, yeah, kind of then everything got more and more busy um, and less scattered, I guess, from there. We went to East Surrey and they did a couple of x-rays. Um, everything came out normal, but they were aware, they, aware that I had this pain, but they couldn't quite pinpoint where it was coming from. So then they sent me to orthopedics, um, the orthopedics department, and um, I had a couple of appointments there. So there they said that I had uh, bursitis and, you know, just snapping hip syndrome. And it was just they sent me for an MRI to check that there wasn't anything underlying. And it all came back normal. So they gave me they um, told me they referred me to the physiotherapists and that and I done I did a few sessions of physiotherapy before I went back for my follow-up um and the pain was getting a little bit better but it wasn't you know it was quite a slow kind of process and I don't know whether it was just because it was a new thing and I was feeling quite excited about it um right but it was yeah, the pain had gotten like, I don't know, like a tiny little bit less. Um, and so the doctors are happy with that. And then they called me back for follow up in the, six months later. But the pain was getting worse as opposed to getting better. So um, they offered me steroid injections for the pain. 
and we refused my dad said that that's not what we wanted to do and so then they discharged me to the care of the physios hoping that that would fix everything (laughs) Hmm. um and yeah so then I was at physiotherapy for I think two years it was weekly or fortnightly and physiotherapy became a I guess it became a very calming place for me as opposed to it became my solace in some senses because I was obviously in my early teenage years and I was going through a lot of strange emotions and it was really nice to have this little place that was just kind of almost it was quite relaxing just to it was me and my physio and it it was very very routine it became the same thing every week oh um this you're not getting better okay we'll try this now or I'll just check my legs you know and my movement it was very routine and I appreciated that um because it really helped my mental health and it was something that was stable in my life when everything was changing. Mm, um, no, that's, really, that's really interesting. And uh, what what's interesting especially is that that became, uh, that, that normality, that repetition became, as you say, relaxing rather than frustrating. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously frustration in there, especially for uh, my family, because you know they were like why aren't you getting better because there's nothing you couldn't see anything wrong there wasn't it was almost like there wasn't I mean there was something physically wrong at the time but it was kind of why aren't you getting better what are you not you're not pushing yourself enough or there was this frustration involved and kind of because they were worried about me they were really worried um they didn't want me to suffer so they were trying to they were trying their own ways to get me to you know get better but it was causing a lot of frustration because I don't want to push myself I knew that because at physiotherapy um I do my exercises I'd have I do them like glute bridges and um I can't remember anything anymore but I do them for like Mm. half an hour every day and you know I'd, I'd get better so we'd have like we'd aim we had an aim it was like um three kind of sets of 30 reps that was our aim for like glute bridges and <laughs> I'd get to I'd start on three glute bridges per night and then I'd increase but then I got to I remember getting to like 26 and then I tried the next day I just couldn't do it anymore I was back to three and it was heartbreaking and it was it happened so frequently as well that I'd get right. better and then I'd have I'd go back to square one and when you were getting better at those particular tasks did that correlate with getting better broadly we you know with, with the, the things that were meaningful to you because I can't imagine you turned up day one and said I'd like to be better at glute bridges I imagine <laughs> your pain was affecting you in different ways than that yeah um yeah I didn't go in thinking that I wanted to get better at glute bridges I think the aim was to get back into PE which I'd stopped and I hadn't done I didn't end up doing until I was in year 11 so Right. Um, okay so how long were you how long were, that's a good a good way for us to maybe talk about how this pain was affecting affecting your day-to-day life so outside of the sort of your medical and physio appointments what how long were you there for not doing PE for um so I think I stopped PE at the beginning of year eight and um I kept on with my dance club because I thought that was just that was the one thing that I it was the one active bit of my life 
Um, and then I just, I didn't do it until the start of year 11. So that was year eight, year nine, year 10, three years that I hadn't done it. Okay, wow. And now how, what are the, what are the things in and out of school? How did this pain affect you? And, and one thing I think we've, we've managed to skirt over is it's predominantly sort of hip and pelvis pain that you were experiencing. Is that right? Yeah. And it was, it was one side? Um, it started off on my right side. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, tell, tell me a little bit about what, what day to day, how, how this pain was affecting you day to day. How did it feel? Um, so I wouldn't be able to walk to school. I mean, I did push myself because I'm very, um, I'm very concerned about the climate and I was very kind of adamant that I didn't want my dad to drop me off, even though I was in a lot of pain. <laughs> right. Um, but I did yeah it did end up stopping me from walking to and from school and I don't live that far from my school so it was a 20 minute walk but I couldn't do that um, I could I could barely walk um, from one room to the next in the house it became really really painful um, walking up the stairs it's walking anywhere walking in general it became a real issue for me um, and again like if my friends wanted to go places I'd have to kind of really think about it or can I actually do this? Is it going to be okay? Or what precautions do I need to take or what do I need to take with me to help me? Um, Yeah. So So when it comes to getting around school and things like that, um, obviously every school's different with regards to sort of stairs and how far it is between, between classes and stuff. Was that disruptive? Um, Yeah, I guess it was, yeah I mean my school's pretty small so it wasn't it could have been a lot worse (laughs) but um I think it was it was quite difficult walking in between classes and um just yeah walking up and down the stairs because yeah I couldn't take the elevator because I didn't have a broken leg um and I'd still have to walk because it's quite far from the elevators to the classes so there was that walking walking was involved and everywhere mm. so there wasn't much point you'd mentioned that by being into the into the system you'd been sort of uh, given a number of different explanations as to why you were experiencing pain but then also then this period of time especially once we're into you were discharged from orthopedics into physiotherapy and then saw physios weekly or fortnightly for the best part of two years then um, on what would be sort of a physical rehabilitation approach to trying to improve your sort of strength and conditioning. And I'm glad you've had, you had a positive experience within that in terms of your, your mental health and normality and being able to be active in a safe place. That's, that's fantastic. But what was your understanding of your sort of diagnosis? And, and did that ever sit well with you in terms of what the explanations that were given and how that mapped onto your experience? Um. So I was told that I had snapping hip syndrome and I was like, okay, um, that makes sense. My hip snaps. I can feel it. I can hear it. (laughs) Um, So um, that it made sense. But the thing that didn't make sense is that normally people have this for six months and then they finish their physio and they're back to normal. And it's like it never happened. But for me, it was happening a lot. And I, it was, no one could give me an answer as to why that was happen, happening so frequently and, it, um, and for such a prolonged period of time. Mm, yeah, so, so it was the, 
the fact that your situation wasn't turning a corner like had, like had been described uh, that made you then feel like the the diagnosis didn't represent you as as well as had been suggested initially yeah yeah um and i think i remember going on my on my last um orthopedic um appointment uh, the doctor said that um i could have it for the rest of my life so <laughs> i mean it was kind of but there wasn't an explanation as to why I was still ha- I was going to have it. <laughs> That's a brutal <laughs> thing to just drop in there, isn't it? That's a... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What were your What were your um, If we think about just because we're we're definitely purposely hovering here before we get towards the sort of process of care that that that, ha- that helped you most, I would say, from understanding your story from what's been written in print and speaking to you briefly. Um. So before we get into that, but in this duration then where you've seen multiple different medical and, and, and healthcare professionals um, that, that, have, that have helped in some ways, but, but not necessarily in the broad picture, got you better or moved you towards a, a state of being better, still very disruptive in your life. What were the sort of some of the most positive and some of the most negative interactions that you had within the health system over those, that duration? Um. I, I guess, I mean, in, on as a whole, it was pretty positive in terms of, I mean, they were very, very caring. And, um, but I think, I, I don't really know. I guess a negative would be that he, they didn't, they didn't kind of, they didn't explore more areas of pain. Um, so I feel like if they'd discovered that this was a chronic thing, like uh, near the beginning, I wouldn't have had to be um, going to physio that wasn't really helping me physically. Um, and, you know, staying out of pee for so long because um, I, I guess I think they should have, I guess, uh, looked at other aspects of my life and um not just not just look at the what were the hardcore kind of like the print on the paper um not just the MRI or not just the x-rays because um I'm sure a lot of people experience these things um or experience pain like mine so I feel like if they'd yeah yeah I guess that's that Mm, no, it's really interesting. Uh, that's familiar to the stories that we hear on a regular basis. Is that they, they maybe they've seen the bigger picture, um, yeah. and we'll definitely once we've heard more about what then comes next and, and the positive uh, turn that that you you took uh, under guidance, we'll definitely come back to why that might have been. You know, it'd be just interesting your thoughts as to as to what your thoughts are on on how, because obviously th- episodes like this and the shows like like ours are to try to make sure we learn from our mistakes and therefore, you know, your equivalent, not that, you know, of course you've got your uniqueness, no one would be exactly like you, but people in your situation are then better served in months and years to come and to make sure we're learning from those mistakes. And so I definitely want to double back uh, towards the end and find out what your thoughts are on, on, on how those things could be avoided in the future or could have been even avoided in your case. But one of the things you'd mentioned so far is that you know, the, the, the pressures and challenges on your family as well as you and as well as the things that uh, of course with your best interests at heart the things that your family were doing or trying to suggest uh, through you to to, to try and change things 
could you just uh, reflect on that a little bit? Like, what was what are your memories um, from from way back that that sort of remind you about the the challenges and and the ways in which your family needed to interact with your story as well as you did? Um, yeah. So, I think my dad was very. My dad was the one that took me to all my appointments, and um, you know, he it was it was quite, he was struggling with juggling his work and. Um, picking up my sister whilst I have an appointment and it mm. was it became quite um strenuous for him and bless him he took me to every appointment he took me everywhere um he mm. wouldn't it, he wouldn't um be like oh Worthing's too like Worthing's too far from home like he'll take me because he knew that it would help me get better um and you know they never made me feel like I was um you know I was burdening them which was Good, but I, I know that there were strains on my family to kind of deal with my issue. Um, I guess they kind of they did try to push me to do because they weren't seeing results from physiotherapy. They kind of um, they were like, okay, why don't you try these exercises or do this every day? Um, and I, oh, I can't like, I don't know, like these kind of yoga things and um and I kind of I was like okay my leg doesn't move that way (laughs) (laughs) I I, yeah I couldn't really I didn't want to disappoint them but I for me it was I knew that if I pushed myself too much I was going to go back to square one and I just it I was very very cautious around everything that I was doing um and it was kind of like me wanting to stop they they wanted me to push myself more and I wanted to stop pushing myself so much um Mm -hmm. because I wanted to live in that safe little bubble I didn't want to again who wants to be in pain so I was just and I think that it was the kind of there was the clashing between obviously no one can understand your pain unless you're you have the pain um and they were trying to help but there was the kind of clashing between they they weren't in my position they didn't feel the pain that I was feeling and I couldn't really describe it either because pain is such a weird thing to describe like people ask you all the time and like oh is it a burning pain or is it a poking pain I don't, I don't know what kind of pain it is it's a pain it's my it's my pain yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, well one of the one of the things the analogies that is used and I don't know if it was perhaps um I can't remember if it was someone that was involved in your care that that's used it in this article that that I found your story in, is this idea that you and your family and everyone involved in your care will have been on a roller coaster together. However, you're at the front of the roller coaster and the experience from the back might be different, and that might be where your family's sat or at different parts of it. And I thought that was a really interesting point. Does that does that sort of resonate with you with regards to to your story? Yeah, definitely. I think that is so true. It does feel like they are on it with you, but they're not quite. <laughs> they're not quite <laughs> feeling it the same that you are. Sure. Yeah. I think um, you've mentioned, and I'm, I'm delighted. I mean, such a such a, a loving and caring family to to try and help you through this, and 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 of course, in the end, did really contribute positively to your your story. Um, and you, but you'd mentioned that you don't, you didn't feel like you, uh, so they they hadn't made you feel like you were a burden to them, even though you knew that there were real challenges, uh, especially looking back. But did you ever, even though they were never making you feel that way, did you feel that were you conscious 
of the impact you were having and the difference between yourself and your peers with regards to how you're interacting with the world over that time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was very aware of, um, you know, I'd never say, I'd I'd apologise profusely, but like, I'm so sorry that you have to take me here. Um, And I think, um, yeah, I think it was just, I was very, very aware of the impact that I was having on my family and my friends or kind of the, uh, you know, because um, I, I wouldn't be able to be my friend, my best friend's partner in PE or like netball or dance or, because I would be slower than everyone else or right. um, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Or, you know, she'd have to go find someone else because I couldn't do it as well. Mm. Okay. So. I was yeah I was super aware of that and I did feel awful but again there wasn't any I knew that I, there wasn't anything I could do about it so um yeah how did how did um because I, I don't want to make any assumptions it, it certainly sounds like a challenge in every which aspect of your life but I don't want to make any assumptions with regards to how it would have affected you more more broadly so I just want to ask explicitly like how was your mood around this time is it was it fluctuating was it something that was a huge huge drag on on you um what would you your sort of friends and family suggest as to how your general sense of self and mood was around that time if you don't mind me asking um yes fine I I don't really know I think I, I probably was in a bad, a bad mood more often because of the pain, um, but I don't think I don't think my mood was like I think I just accepted the fact that I couldn't do anything physical. Like I'd I'd have to put away that kind of side of my life and just then focus on other things. Um, right. And I think it was good that I'd accepted it, I guess, because then I wouldn't feel like. Um, angry all the time or um yeah yeah no that's that, that's that's helpful to understand and, and the word acceptance seems really relevant there you know speaking to people um on this show uh in in not dissimilar situations and timelines to yours although just different in terms of age and, and life expectation is different isn't it around that time but certainly those that were able to to find some level of acceptance reluctant acceptance uh, at that time to sort of adapt and then that they were the ones that seemed to be describing a, a yes it disrupted your mood but it wasn't as sort of insular making and depressive in a, in a, in a, in, a, in an oppressive sense um, whereas those that were seeking the answer and were in a situation where they were naturally craving um, something different and, and weren't in acceptance of what had been suggested to them then they were in a, a, a very challenging situation where it was just something that was going to just getting them down and dragging them down in a, in a spiral sense. So mm-hmm. one of the things that your situation led you to was that in time, so we're going to pick your story back up then, where you'd been seeing rehabilitative physios regularly, where you're trying to strengthen and, and, and improve your flexibility and just pace your conditioning, as have been described and then what what was the what was the next stage then what what was the was there a, a moment where they said we've had an idea or did you or your family find another angle or another opportunity how did you then end up into a more holistic management and pain service um so it was my physiotherapist at the time she um she was like okay Pavney we're not really getting anywhere let's be honest um we've been on your case for years and we've had so many different physios come in and trying to 
figure out what was wrong with me in the hospital but um we're not getting anywhere so I think it's time for you to um oh, it's time to refer you to pain team um so I mean normally these um I think pain team people get referred to pain team after like six months of their illness um but I think with me because it was like I was getting better and then I'd go back that was why um right, right. they'd held off for a while um so yeah so she referred me to pain team and then a couple months later I got my um appointment my first appointment and that's where the uh, article of course that, that that I've read that I encourage our listeners to have, have looked at that really details some of the approaches and things but instead of thinking broadly about what they do generically we can obviously talk in this instance about what your experience was with that so on that first appointment um, what were the similarities and differences to other appointments that you'd had um, at this stage? Um, I think the biggest difference was that obviously there wasn't just one doctor there were multiple um, healthcare professionals there. So I think there was uh, one paediatric doctor. There was one, um, I think there was the physiotherapist. There was, um, uh, I, th I think, a therapist as well. Um, uh, a psychologist, yes, yeah, I can't remember. Um, anyway, so I think that was the biggest difference because I walked into a room with my dad and there were loads of people there. Um, uh, looking at me from all angles which is the biggest I guess difference because previously it would always be just a doctor looking at one aspect of my kind of one thing um, right. whereas now it was more like they were looking at every single thing that I did and analysing every single kind of part of my life. Mm. And so what I can I can only try to, uh, although I've been in those situations professionally, but obviously as a person, you know, personally I haven't, or any of my family, I haven't been there with them when they've had to experience it. But was it, when you go into a room like that, is it reassuring because you've got, because you're getting all those different angles or is it quite daunting as well? Like, cause I wonder if you might feel if it's not framed well, then you'd feel like you're in a bit of a goldfish bowl. I suppose. <laughs> um, I think, um, I think it was, I think it wasn't it was slightly daunting but um I think it was just the fact that I was so relieved to have finally like I knew that I had a feeling that this was just going to end it all like um and I knew that if they couldn't find what was wrong with me then no one could <laughs> right. um so I think I came in quite daunted by seeing so many people but also quite reassured um okay yeah it can be can be both can't it of course yeah no but but Really, I'm I'm heartened by the fact that that thoroughness came across, and that you felt like you know all, all angles were being covered, and that you weren't necessarily just being seen through one particular lens, which you'd experienced over the years before it. So, no, that's that's great. And so, what what did that what did that entail then? What what um, what was either asked or done, or did, did you need to you know what 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 did it entail then? Um. So, when we were in the waiting room, they um I think the a, a psychologist she came and she gave me like um this my dad and I a questionnaire about my mental health and um then I had another form that kind of uh talked about um uh, how far I could walk or what like what I could physically do and they then taken they'd taken that in and um analyzed it um and then when I went in they 
you know, did the Trendelenburg test. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, uh, they kind of watched, like, my movements. I think um, the physiotherapist, she was very, very attentive to, like, even when I'd stand up or when I'd walk walked into the room, she was watching me, like, every second. Um <laughs> Or if I'd gotten gotten onto the like the little bed table thing, um, she was watching how I'd get onto it as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, and then I think they asked me about kind of just my like my history. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, yeah, I think that was that first initial meeting, um, and. They were quite pleased with my movements because um, obviously I'd done two years of physiotherapy um, at um, my local uh, hospital. And you were able to demonstrate a dynamite, dynamite glute bridge, I imagine. Like that, that's the thing you were able to <laughs> say, like this is the best glute bridge you're ever going to see. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I think they were quite surprised that um, although I was in so much pain, I was so I was pretty like I wasn't stiff. Capable, I guess yeah. um yeah so I think and it was because I was quite glad that physio hadn't completely stopped because um they'd focused because even though my hips and my legs weren't getting better they focused on my core and I was um I was fit in other ways even though like my legs were <laughs> were very very weak right and so what, what, what um, was then suggested so they do this assessment it's very thorough Various different aspects of your life are being considered, which is great and reassuring. What did they then suggest? Was it in that appointment that they made suggestions as to what they felt was going on? Or was it that they then said, right, come back at a later date? And then they, they sort of sat you down and gave you the sort of the analysis. How did it work? Um, so they just told um, my dad and I to leave for about five minutes, five, ten minutes. And then they called us back in. And that was they just they just like conversed about it and it was just they just came in they were like okay we know what you have and I was like oh this is great then I mean it was kind of (laughs) I wasn't it was I didn't feel like I'd accept like when they told me I had chronic primary pain I kind of um it didn't feel like it was the end because it this journey had been going on for so long it was like a never-ending road um and it it just it was so strange to hear someone say that this is what it is and this is why um you know it was the fact that my brain had gotten so used to paying that it was making it up um and it made sense a little bit at the time I felt quite confused I must uh, like it made sense but it was still really confusing because I was like why would it do that to me (laughs) um when when you have because um, there's there's some geeky academic debate within our profession and the wider sort of pain therapies pain science atmosphere for us to try and make sure that we work out how can we mitigate the confusion and enhance the understanding um, of those moments and one of the things with that is that was was it something that uh, was helpful to understand this as being sort of a neurological your 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 brain is is playing tricks on you for want of a better term um or or was that sometimes like you say you, you know why would it be doing that with that almost like a daunting thing that you that your body would be disrupted in that way how did it 
what, what on the balance of things was that a positive or a negative um i think it was i don't really know it kind of had it was positive in the fact that it is something but it was also negative in the fact that it's not something you can fix because it's neurological you can't go in there and fix it um and i obviously struggled to understand it um at the time because it was just it was so strange and it was like boom this is it um and um so they kind of they realized that i was quite i think that they did notice that i still i was quite frazzled um and so they sent me (laughs) some videos (laughs) um on this um they sent me um like a video by laura mosley and a couple of them and it made sense because there was this one with like this wolf um, uh, beat the beast or came in the beast yes yes that's it yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think looking at it visually um, it helped me understand this um, understand what I had better when I was right. in a calmer environment okay yeah no that's helpful and I think uh, there's something very therapeutic about Laura Mosley's accent and manner as well I think <laughs> there seems to be a bit of a je ne sais quoi about him, him that uh, really is particularly helpful. So I'm glad that you found those resources useful. And so what other measures from that point then were uh, put in place to help you recover, to understand your problem as well as to move forward? And how did that differ then from your experiences to that point? Um, so that they, t- uh, as I said, they sent me those videos and I was literally just told to, over the summer, go watch a movie or go do things that were fun. Um, without thinking about my pain or thinking about it kind of like, um, so at the time I was experiencing a lot of back, lower back pain or sitting for like sitting for, I don't know, maybe half an hour was too much for me. Um, <laughs> so it couldn't walk, couldn't sit either. It couldn't, it didn't really have much to do. Um, but they told me to go and watch movies to help me kind of, uh, look at kind of, make me think of something else other than the pain or to focus on something else. Um, uh, and that was kind of the first thing for me, the first step. Um, and then I had a couple of email conversations with uh, the physiotherapist and um, I met her again a couple, like a couple months later. Um, and we just kind of, we went through, she told me, she, she said to me, okay, so if you were going to wake up tomorrow and you were pain free, there was nothing wrong with you what would you do and it was um I think that yeah I came up with like I think running a marathon or um you know dancing or swimming breaststroke uh, which I previously couldn't do because of my hip pain mm-hmm. um and I think she was like, okay you can do all of that um but you just need to do it step, step by step um, and so we had like a medical mountain or a ladder and we'd written down kind of the um, steps or the small things that I could do. So like, I don't know, going on a walk, um, a brisk walk and then, um, I don't know, jogging between lampposts, kind of it, it, to build it up to the kind of end goal, which was to run, I don't know, 5k or something. Yeah. Oh do the park run I can't I can't remember um but it was kind of it was one of those I think it helped because it was very very it wasn't kind of this is the end kind of goal there were smaller goals in between 
um, right. and it made it feel like I could reach it a lot better and it kind of it made me feel a lot more um, I guess encouraged because I knew it wasn't that far I could I could I knew I could run I could walk I would be able to walk um, I don't know for 10 minutes I, it was kind of it was one of those things I think yeah, so, so breaking the, the goal setting aspect of it was really quite helpful for, by the sound of things. And, and, and that's that's really promising that you were able to have those things get identified and broken down and then help you build back up to them. So the one of the things that you were pursuing before when you were doing sort of rehabilitation based gym based physio is that you're pursuing strength of a muscle or improving a movement or flexibility or getting more repetitions uh, as you described it uh, of exercises such as a, a glute bridge or something quite particular whereas this has been reframed in something that was sort of sections of a task that is meaningful for you at that stage did that just feel like it was sufficiently different and specific sufficiently more relevant to you to be um something that was worth pursuing yeah definitely um i think it was it, it because i was putting things more into context of my life um it was more kind of it was more reassuring that i would be able to do these normal things rather than um looking at kind of glute bridges because i wasn't going to do glute bridges for a living um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was very very helpful yeah well if it was an Olympic sport or a profession then yeah you'd be you'd be well quids in I think in, in <laughs> I'm sure you've been a pro we had someone else on the show uh, on patient matters who had a similar experience with the clamshell exercise something that I'm sure you've uh, had some experience with as well and he just said that if, if clamshelling was an Olympic sport then he'd be the champion so um, yeah. <laughs> that's maybe familiar with you with the with the glute bridge um when when you're going through this process of then scaling your tasks your abilities were there any points in which um it became you know wh wh how, how did the pace of it feel i suppose is the better way of me phrasing that question like how, did it feel like it was too slow too fast did it, did it feel like it got interrupted at times um, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty fast um, because again, there were smaller goals. There was like a, there was a smaller distance to go in between them. Um, and I think, I think there were interruptions because I don't know, I couldn't always go out on a walk because of the weather or because I'd gone swimming that day. Um, it was, yeah, but I think overall it was pretty fast getting in between those um, kind of goals because I remember, um, I think maybe within two months, I was um, I called up my physiotherapist and I was like, OK, um, we can book another session. Because she she told me, she was like, once you get to number three on your um, on this ladder, call me and then we can go through this together. We can go on a little jog. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> cool. Right. Um, so, again, I panicked at the time because I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. But um, because I'd gone through the steps in between, um, you know, two months later, I was like, okay, um, I can come in. Um, and so, yeah, and we, I went in for that was my last session, and we went for a jog. And I was, I think she could see that my mental kind of um, my outlook on pain had changed so much, and I was feeling so much more positive about what I would be able to do in the future. Did her confidence help you with that then? Because to be told, like, I'll see you when you're at three. Not, 
if you manage to get to three, which would be brilliant, then maybe give me a call. It's not, you know, it's a different different mindset from the therapist. So did did her confidence sort of uh, rub off on you? Yes, definitely. I think me as a person, I think I'm very kind of, um, I have confidence in myself, but when people have um, or people show that they have confidence in me, it makes me feel a lot more kind of like I know that I will be able to do it because other people think it. Um, mm. Yes. Um, so definitely her confidence and encouragement helped me a lot um, mentally as well. Um, no, no, that's, that's, that's really good. And uh, one of the things that um, I understand from your case is that this wasn't something that when you were into the pain management services beyond your sort of diagnostic assessment and, 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 and things like that, once they'd shared with you the take of it and, and moved you into then pain management services, it wasn't as if you were in there for you know, the weekly and fortnightly for several years either, was it? It was actually relatively speedy in terms of the and, and also not particularly uh, many sessions I think three sessions and then managed in the interim by email am I right in understanding yeah. it that way and so that obviously especially relevant for therapists at the moment that are needing to try to arm's length manage and, and see fewer patients face to face as we're in this crazy isolation quarantine period for those that are listening years down the line we're, we're right in the thick of the COVID-19 <laughs> lockdown so the, um, the the ability for therapists to manage and, and help people remotely is, is important so you've obviously got some experience of that did you feel like you were still involved your care was still very involved even if it was just back and forth on email uh definitely I think I was a little bit skeptical I think um I like things that are face-to-face I prefer things that are face-to-face but I didn't feel like um the care was kind of um it wasn't I think it was definitely I was given the same amount of care that I would have um, been given if we were face-to-face I think um she really uh put the detail and the kind of she kind of her, her confidence did shine through in her emails um right. and it was very very reassuring for me as well because there and wasn't it was oh sorry go on no no yeah. uh, there wasn't any pressure um to kind of to know that I had to get to this point in between um you know say if she'd already booked a second session there wasn't any like there would be pressure for me to do these specific things in between these sessions like um I know like for example I'd have to I feel like I'd have to be able to run 5k between these two sessions (laughs) (laughs) and if I was just learning how to walk I couldn't run 5k um and I think the emails were quite it it made things less daunting as well Brilliant. No, that's that's really, really helpful. Now, in terms of from you being assessed in pain management services, um, the what sort of time frames was it from that point to you getting back to a sense of your normality and considering yourself well on the on the road to recovery? Um, maybe about uh, six, seven months. I think I was. Oh, really? I think I guess. As soon as I'd met them, um, because I was so, co- it, it felt so good to know what was, um, kind of, what was wrong with me. I guess um, it really pushed me to do the things that they were telling me to do. So, like go and go to the park or go watch a movie. I think um, my recovery started from that first session, 
Um, and then obviously the more quicker recovery, the more speedy and more, I guess, the pro- kind of uh, the more important recovery in terms of like me being able to walk and run. Um, it came after the second session, so maybe um, four months time. And um, yeah, I think it just went from that. And I was I was getting a lot more um, better. I was definitely I could you could see that I was um, I'd come miles from where I was when I first went to see them just in those four months because I knew what I had to do in right. order to get better. How, how are you now? Um, currently I'm very well I think um, I did uh, start to do the couch to 5k I'm on week two except now that um, I think because of the virus I've been kind of cooped up in my house and my parents aren't letting me go out for a run but I think <laughs> I think the fact that I was able to run um, you know for I don't know I don't know, but I, the fact that I was able to start doing my couch to 5K yeah, is sure. a big thing. Um, Fabulous. And uh, when, yeah. when, we, um, when we think about the timing then, and one of the reasons I asked that question is because this is, might surprise people considering the length of time that you had symptoms as well as the length of time that you'd had other, other care that hadn't helped, then that might feel like a relatively short period of time that you were then able to turn a corner and start to start to build your ability again and, and start to feel like you're on the road to, to recovery, if not, if not recovered. So w- did, did that, did that surprise you also? Uh, and, and also I just wondered like friends and family, how did they respond to the sort of new diagnosis, new process, that sort of thing? Um, I think it was, I did, I did feel like it was, it was kind of like, oh, is that it? Kind of, <laughs> I'd spent so many years in pain. And then it just, you know, within four months, it was kind of, it was the pain, like I was able to do more. The pain was yeah. still there, but I right. was doing more. Um, and I think that was quite surprising. And I think my parents were just, my family were just glad to see that I was getting better so quickly. I think they were just relieved more than, um, rather than thinking about there anything else any points where sometimes people reflect on struggling to you know people find it easier to comprehend say snapping hip or something mechanical than they are something more holistic or, or considered to be sort of in this instance described to you as neurological was that was that difficult for people or friends family um i think yeah i think for um it was harder to understand, especially for like my grandparents, because they're kind of like, it's almost like, <laughs> what's wrong with your brain, Padme? Like, what have you done to it? <laughs> um, so it's, it was, I guess they were quite scared that I was, uh, they thought I'd gone mad. I'd gone mad. <laughs> um, and I obviously hadn't. I was just, <laughs> it was just, um, yeah, so I think it definitely was harder from my grandparents to comprehend or um I guess my parents as well or even me like myself I found it quite strange because as I said it was it's not something tangible it's not something that I can pull some wires and fix it was something that it was there and I had to mentally overcome this um Mm, issue it's it's interesting because it's 
it's sometimes harder, harder to comprehend, but obviously once the proof is in the pudding, once they see you being able to do more, then clearly it's onto something and it sort of proves itself, especially when it's something that turns a corner as quickly as yours did, then you know, it doesn't take a lot to persuade people that you're on the right lines once you're able to sort of you're back back running, back swimming and back doing what you love. Now is it in as you currently as the current situation lies then, do you feel that this is something that you have the pain is, is the same but now man more manageable because of what you're doing or is it that the actual pain has improved also? Um, I think the pain has improved. Oh, I don't really know. I, I guess I don't really look at it in terms of kind of oh I don't look at, I don't wake up every morning I'm like oh on a scale of one to ten how much pain am I in today um I think that question that's, what, that's one reason I think <laughs> yeah um I think the I think my abilities have increased I think the pain is is always there um I mean sometimes it isn't there and it that's great um but I think um mostly is is that but I kind of I push it aside and I focus on more I focus more on what I um what I'm doing and um I guess my mm. actions if we if sense. we throw it back because I said I'd try and come back to it once we understood your story in its fullest to why it might have been or, or what opportunities there were to try and make this a six-month story or even shorter than it being a three or four years and six month story. What do you <laughs> think were the opportunities that were missed or why do you think that that occurred? Um, I think that, um, I don't think people are aware of um, this of pain being neurological I think people associate pain with um, something physical or tangible um, and I think that in itself is uh, I think a big issue and I think because people don't associate pain with something neuro like with something neurological people um, or uh, they tend to miss the, these things out um, because they're so focused on looking at trying to find something physical or something literally wrong um, with your body, they they're not looking at um, your brain or and again your pain itself. Mm, no, that's really interesting. Um, it's not seen. I'm sorry, overlap there. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um. <laughs> um, oh. Um, I think it's just not seen as it's it's seen as an as a as an effect effect um, rather than the cause um, or a kind of a source. Um, and I think people, I think it's um, important to start changing views on that. that. Word primary is something that you've used both in this podcast and also have been described to you as part of a diagnostic picture. That is something that seems quite relevant here in that it's not something that's just been a symptom of a problem, but it can be a primary problem. And uh, and, and that that is yeah, something that seems to make a difference to, to you and to others, is that that really reframes what this, this, the pain is so that you're not then chasing chasing this sort of mythical answer that might be somewhere else in the in the tissues or in the structures or in the biomechanics or in the intricacies of a glute bridge. <laughs> So no, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, because if I was to 
obviously it can be a bit of both or, or a third thing. But if I was to say that it's that people didn't recognize the... If you had to think that the therapists and, and, and physicians, the GPs, all the, all the people that you met in the first couple of years at least, would you say that it's they didn't recognize the diagnosis that was correct in you or it's that they don't have a good comprehension of the diagnosis in a general sense in order to recognize it? Um, I think it's a latter. I don't think that they had a um, general sense of the diagnostic um, because I'm sure if they did, then <laughs> it would have like I was looking back at um, some of my notes the other day and um, there were so many red flags now that I look back at it like how did I do my bronze DAV when I was in so much pain but then not feel affected by um, like I'm not in immense pain after it like it just felt like a normal person doing their DAV it wasn't like it didn't feel like um, it was it was extra painful because of my um, my legs and my hips it was just I think that there are so many red flags and I think people would have um, or other healthcare professionals would have picked up on it had they been aware of the um, Because the, the context seemed to really matter to your symptoms when you look back at it, you know, regardless of when, when it yeah. particularly hurt, when it particularly didn't and surprisingly didn't. It was because of the context yeah. of something being enjoyable and social and, and, and all the things that enriched your life. So fascinating, especially for you to be able to look back and notice that now. Um, and it is such a shame that it that it wasn't picked up early. But as long as we can learn from these lessons, what would you say then would be your top tips to? Because obviously, the vast majority of our listeners are health professionals, therapists in musculoskeletal care and pain services generally. Uh, what would you say the top tips are for everyone listening to this would want to try to decrease? the timeline at the very least and help as many people like you as possible what would your top tips be to them um look at the context um of your patient's pain i think that is super important um because you'll find things that you wouldn't have previously picked up on um because it's not a physical thing um and i guess be open to these ideas or make sure to look at the bigger picture um rather than again just kind of uh kind of looking at things with a needle view uh, like with a needle point view i think it's super important to um kind of i guess like my english teacher would say look down from the heavens kind of at everything mm -hmm. Get an overview. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. Now, something that I didn't, when we were planning this interview, I was I did not think I'd be asking these questions at the end, but it seems suddenly very useful. We're talking about context. We 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 currently live in unprecedented context of of lockdown and social distancing and isolation and some of the things that uh, you, you know you've been countering in many ways. You know, you've been trying to be more more sociable, more active, more engaged with the outside world, and so. As we're in this, um, as a consequence of COVID-19 and, and making sure that we avoid the, the spread of the virus, we're all doing less and having significantly modified lives. I just wanted to ask you then a couple of questions about, especially in the time frame and trajectory of, of your recovery, um, how are you... how are you feeling and managing around that in the current situation we find ourselves in? Um, so it's definitely been um a little bit more challenging because i'm having to um 
constantly kind of uh think about where where I can and where I can't go um for say my runs or uh, a walk um and I think it's definitely challenging because I don't want to stop completely um but I also don't want to be sick I don't want to Mm. catch the virus (laughs) so it's kind of it's almost it's kind of given me kind of like a almost like an ultimatum you can either do this or you can do this um and I'm finding that quite difficult at the moment because I'm itching to go out and go for a run but I also kind of have to I have to fight that urge to do that because um it's very important that I don't get unwell yeah, and, and do, do you have you been do you feel at this point in time you've been able to avoid it provoking a setback for you more broadly um yeah I think def I, I have um I think I'm trying to do other things instead um or finding new ways to um keep active in the house rather than going out um because I guess I mean before we all got locked down I I was walking to and from school um which whether or not I was doing anything else that was also a big kind of part of my life um and obviously now that I can't even do that I am I am literally stuck in my house I it's kind of encouraged me to find different ways to do things or I don't know maybe I think yesterday I was playing badminton um I think different things it's just it is hard um at the moment because as I said it's I don't want to stop I don't want to have a setback but then you have to try and find different ways to um keep active and keep on yeah, with your recovery sure. and I think you'd mentioned uh, at the start about how why, what an, it's going to be so disruptive to pretty much every person in the world right now but but for people in year 11 in in March of their final year of school like I'm I'm not I'm not quite old enough to not remember those times and remember how important that is and how crucial that is as a bridge to later life and to future study and things like that. So that that's um, it's impressive that you've not descended into a state of major anxiety, which would be understandable for you and many of your peers in this situation. Um, but with as someone in this, you know, specific to our context of conversation, being someone who's in recovery from uh, persistent pain. Is it something that uh, you have to work extra hard to not let that sort of uh, get you down, drag you down? Or is it just that you feel actually you're in the same boat as a lot of your, your peers and that you, you don't see it as being relevant, the fact that you're someone that, that has had a condition that you're working through? Um, I think I am in the same boat as a lot of my peers. I think you should have seen me a couple of weeks ago. I was a mess. I was, there was a lot of anxiety. I think if, because... I'm a very studious person. I really, really enjoy school and I really, really enjoy education. Um, So once, and obviously kind of the social and I guess the kind of like physical aspect of school, like um, doing things like PE and um, going to the gym or the leisure centre, I think that was, um, again, it was kind of, because it was such a blunt stop to everything, it did cause a lot of anxiety for me. but I think um, now that the government has sorted out the grade issue, I think it's kind of brought the anxiety down a bit. Um, it's, yeah, because I know that I, I, I did well in my mocks. I know I've, um, that I was working really hard and I know that I can, I'm going to get my nine that I've wanted in geography. You know, I don't feel like I was, I don't think I, I am robbed of right, it just right, yet. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's... Um, but physically, physically. Physically. 
sorry. No, 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 sorry. Um, I was just going to say that that the um, strange circumstances where folk your age shouldn't be waiting for politicians' broadcasts in the evenings, but you needed some reassurances and and assurances on all sorts of different aspects um, that are very specific and very particular to your circumstance. I'm glad that you've got some of those. Um, I know that it's not all going to be, you know, it will all hopefully come out in the wash. You won't get left out out um, hanging in, hanging out for dry. But I think it's really important that and reassuring for us to hear that it's not um, that you're seeing this as being something that is hugely disruptive to your pain story that then sets you back uh, enormously because it's a concern um, I know for, for many that this would be enough to sort of tip the scales the other way and start to regress and I'm, I'm delighted to hear that that's not the case with you. Yeah I think it's definitely um, you have to you have to know that it's your life and you have to be able to um, find other ways to deal with the situation so that it doesn't affect your recovery um, from your um, pain or illness um, because at the end of the day it's your body it's all down to you and it's your it's your choices that are going to affect your um, yeah, what's recovery. interesting and, and a probably an interesting final question for me then is we talk a lot about responsibility and distributed responsibility on this show and you've mentioned there about the fact that um, you know you're you're in charge and, and you're you're in someone that needs to take charge of your own decision making and your choices that you make that might affect you. Um, do you feel that that was something that was relevant? You know the responsibility aspect of it relevant to your success in your later stages of care and your lack of success earlier on. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, because um, I was told that it was pretty much all down to me that I was the one that was. Um, taking these steps or I was the one I had to do this kind of I had to move from on from up the ladder on my medical mountain or whatever um by myself it it was kind of I knew that it was me um and because again I I guess it was kind of a good thing that I um that these appointments were weren't as frequent because it did push me to do things by myself rather than knowing that I could just call up or I, I had an appointment like every week, you know, kind of like previously with my physiotherapy um, at my local hospital, I knew that I could just call them up and be like, oh, um, uh, can I come in next week? Um, or I knew that I had an appointment next week. Uh, so I was very reliant on these um, other people. But because um, a lot of it, the communication with my later care with, um, was done by email, I knew that it was again down to me to actually do the things that were I was being asked to do. Mm. Yeah, there is something to be said for that. As, as as appointments get spaced out, or as the there is a physical distance sometimes between both appointments and people, means that it naturally has to fall on on your shoulders to some extent. And I'm, I'm delighted that you then you know took that on yourself and and have, have been able to to make the recovery you have. Is there anything else that you'd like to to add at this stage before we wrap up? Um, no, I think that is it. I think people just need to um, be responsible and trust themselves and trust their abilities. I think that was a huge thing for me. I couldn't, I wasn't trusting myself um, to do the right thing. Or, um, and I think it changed once I went to see pain team and they kind of reinstalled that trust in myself and um, the confidence in my legs because they, they knew that I knew that I could do it 
um, and I could overcome yeah, this. Yeah, I think one of the things I've been just just to hear this now in detail, but also um, reading about your story, is that I'm I'm heartened about how much they were just trusting your maturity to to not dumb things down or not to try to micromanage it or try to sort of uh, baby the situation and 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 sort of suggest that you needed to be sort of handheld or guided in a particular. Uh, way that that might not have uh, they might not have done um, in other people. I think that's really nice to hear the fact that they trusted you and you tr you were able to start building trust in yourself and develop that self-efficacy again. That's tr I'm really pleased to hear that because there's sometimes stories of people being uh, just assuming that you needed more handholding, more guidance, more specifics, and therefore you didn't develop that autonomy and responsibility. So I'm over the moon that 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 you've had that success and from hearing it now in detail, I can so see how that was mapped out, how the puzzle pieces uh, came together on that and, and, and why you've been such a success story. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers.